0: Uh, Let's go from a positive pod yesterday to a somewhat negative one today. Realistic one. I think realistic one is fair. All right. You ready to do this thing? I'm set. And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. And now, George, officially, the mush is dead. The jinx is over. I can now congratulate you on not only finishing another training camp, George, as The uh, Colts Bears joint practice, uh, joint practice number two came to an end on Thursday, which also signifies the finale at Grand Park. Also, I see you you look great. It means you came away unscathed. No fights came in your area. You weren't having to hide behind Grover Stewart. So congratulations to you. You survived another training camp and you made it out unscathed.
1: I did wear the red non-contact today. (laughs) though. But no, yeah, if we were right about the fights. Nothing got oh, made yeah. to the level of Aaron Donald, uh, but few do. But it was it was an extremely chippy day. I know there was one special team period that was cut short uh, just because a massive fight broke out. Uh, Pharaoh Brown was, shall we say, dismissed from practice after, after a fight uh, by the head coach. So, yeah, that part of it, we got right.
0: Can I ask you this? Because you have obviously seen him up close and personal. You've been in joint practice before. I have not. So I, from my 10,000-foot perspective, cannot understand it. Maybe you can help me out here. This has not been – like this has been a trend, especially this year, maybe more than ever, of fights breaking out in training camp. I understand if you want to fight your teammate because you're hitting and you're going against him every day for two or three weeks in the hot sun. and no training camp is not what it used to be, but it's still grueling. And so I understand now when you're frustrated of seeing the same guy every single day. But here's what I don't get, George. Why are there so many fights in joint practice, right? Joint practice, I know it's still practice, but it's supposed to mimic game-like uh atmospheres. You never see, rarely, any fights in a game. Why is it the fact that now joint practice is all of a sudden this, like, melee fest where no matter what team you are, what connection you have to the other team, there's at least, like, one fight at every single team's joint practice? Is there anything that you've seen that kind of adds a little bit I guess, extra powder, if you will, that's already a tense and, and built up situation. Like, is there anything that leads to this more than normal? I don't think there's any one thing. Um, I do think
1: it's interesting that the, you mentioned the game, like, you know, simulation, because I've heard a few coaches say, you know, we're out here, we're, we're trying to mimic the game. So if somebody fights, I'm going to throw them out. Cause that's what would happen to you in a game, you know? And then Shane did. Uh, we don't have total confirmation of that, but he, did the universal dismissal sign with his hand. Farrell Brown didn't come back in. So, you know, I'm not, I'm he not. The, he gave him the wrist, huh? The little flick yeah, of I'm the wrist, out of here. I'm not a scientist, but wow. I think I can interpret the meaning of that one. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think there's several factors that come into it. One, I think is they're, they're hypercharged. I mean, they, these guys come in and it's massive, you know, we're going to compete from the cold standpoint it's you're not going to come into our house and push us around and from the bear standpoint you know, we're going to come into Westfield we're going to take this over um uh, but i think the the issue is in a regular season or even the preseason you've got full contact somebody gets you you just get them back on the next play you, know, you can take them to the ground you can out there it's it's that controlled environment they're supposed to be thudding so you're not supposed to you're running full speed and it's live, but you're not supposed to take guys to the ground. And invariably somebody takes exception to the force with which they were hit. And it just builds over time. It, one of those things happens. And then now the Colts are mad because, you know, running back got got popped a little bit too hard. And so one of them pops a bear a little bit harder than he should. And then it just builds until somebody, you know, what I think happened in the Pharaoh Brown situation that was bad is the first snap, it was him and uh, Gibson. I can't remember his first Travis, something like that. Gibson for the bears. Uh, The first rep Brown just pancaked him and Gibson took exception to it. And then you can see the Colts kind of talk to him like, Hey, you know, we're going to take you out for this next kind of let you cool off. He's no, no, I'm good. And he goes back in and, and swings at him. So I think that's where they were at. Like you can't do that. You know what I mean? Um, But Ian Brown's somewhat limited defense, a couple snaps later, Gibson got into it with Dan Skipper. So, like, you you know, it takes two to tango, right? Um, But I think that's – I think that's where a lot of it comes from. I think in a game, you know, one, that that you're gone, that you're, you know, probably suspended. So that helps from doing it. But two – there's not as much exception taken to the force unless it's dirty and then you do see a fight in a game like if if they think it was dirty you usually will see a fight um but out there it's just it's it's like pickup basketball when you're calling your own fouls eventually there's a fight because you know nobody thinks it's the same that level's hard to find
0: that's a good explanation because otherwise like like what do you like? Right, you you see such a stark, even in the preseason game, such a stark difference in. There's barely anything after the whistle. Obviously, in a regular season game, like I said, you remember fights because they rarely actually happen. You go back to the NFC title game last year at the end when it got ugly. 49ers and Eagles is like, wow, what? Like you never really see this. But I think every year, and maybe I don't. I hope not being a prisoner of the moment, but it feels like this year more than ever. It's like but every day there's some sort of big melee and some sort of social media video of guys swinging and. Thirty guys all together, you know, trying to, you know, um, having a fight. I saw a Jets assistant coach his, his arms in a sling because he's trying to break up a fight earlier this week. It's it's crazy. It's I guess fight night all around joint practices. But maybe you're right. It's the uh, thudding not fully live, and now all of a sudden it takes one extra quote unquote hard hit that kind of sets guys um, off a little bit more than normal. So. You made it out at least unscathed, Un- unfortunately for Farrell Bryant. He did not last too long in uh, the final training uh, training camp practice for the Colts. But I figure, George, now with training camp officially over, we can kind of use this pod is a little bit to preview the uh, second preseason game, the only Colts home game they have. And we'll get into whether Anthony Richardson should play or not because we have not heard from Shane Sykin. So right now, as we are recording this on Friday morning, no answer. So we'll tell you what the Colts should do for Saturday night's preseason game against Chicago but figure, George, we could kind of use today as a little bit of an overview of our training camp overall, kind of get our thoughts on the last three weeks and what we've seen, what we like, what we don't like. And I hate to say it, I thought Thursday's pop is a little bit of a positive one. Today, I think it's going to be a realistic one, meaning what we saw, I think, especially on Thursday night and kind of was a theme for a training camp is what we'll see for the most part early in the season, and especially week number one against the Jaguars. Few areas that are concerning. Number one, George, let's talk about the health. Thankfully for the Colts, they haven't had many serious season-ending injuries. Unfortunately, we found out on Thursday, Ashton Doolin tore his ACL. That's the first player that was going to be on the roster and be a you know a legitimate contributor that now lost for the year. So thankfully, in on one end, the Colts have not had many significant injuries. Um, and unfortunately for Ashton, he's the first one. The unfortunate part, though, is while they're not a lot of season-ending injuries, there's a lot of injuries altogether that have, kept guys out from getting valuable reps with Anthony Richardson. Thursday night, kind of similar to Wednesday, or, yeah, similar to Wednesday, you had Ryan Kelling, Will Fries, both out. So the starting offensive line was missing two of their uh, five starters. Obviously, right, Jonathan Taylor has not been here the entire training camp. Him and Anthony Richardson have never been on the field together at any point in Richardson's pro career so far. The tight end group is a mass unit where, again, the reason why we've talked about Farrell Brown a good amount so far in this podcast and even in previous podcasts is because he's on the field at the time because Ogletree, Moelle Cox, Jelani Woods have been banged up and missed a, a good part of training camp. How concerned are you, George, that, yes, on one hand, they're not significant injuries. But on the other hand, you're looking at you know almost half the starting offense is getting little to no rips with their starting quarterback because they're missing so much practice time.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a major concern. I, again, I think they're healthier than they have been in years past. Like you said, that on that side, it's positive. But a lot of these little Knicks and these guys that have been out, you know, a lot of it goes back to OTAs. When you look at Jelani Woods, he's been out since I think the first week, maybe the start of the second week of training camp, and he was out all spring. So he's got a week, week and a half of work with Anthony Richardson. Jelani, Drew Ogletree missed the entire spring. Missed a good chunk, if not all, of training camp. Uh, same with Mo alley Cox. You know, I mean, those three guys were out in the spring. They're out now. Uh, they're the red zone guys. On a day like last night, when red zone is what you're doing the work on, that's where they're probably their most critical element. Uh, and they're not, they're not there. And I'm not, I'm not taking shots at any players. Guys get hurt, unfortunately, it's part of the thing, you know. But when you look at the team and you look at the first team offense in, in particular last night and for instance those three guys are not there Jonathan Taylor's not there you're starting center's not there you're starting right guard's not there you're rotating receivers anyway because they've been doing that a lot during camp period just still trying to see who they want to to go where and you know hey if we put this guy in the slot what's that look like you know it's what camp's for um but what it means is that Richardson has has gotten a lot of time with guys that you hope he's not playing with a lot right. during. the season. Right. Um, I guess the upshot of that is injuries will happen in a regular season and he does now have a lot of snaps with a lot of different people. but the downside of it is some of the guys you want to see him most building chemistry with it's not happening. And I think you saw it from the spring, you know, him and Pierce are still getting on the same page. him and Pittman are still getting on the same page. Some of that, is because the receivers were hurt and weren't out there in in training camp or in OTAs. Uh, And some of that is because you've got, you know, a rookie quarterback who didn't take all the snaps up until, you know, this week. So um, I think that's, it's another reason why I think it's a really good idea that they, they've got him out there and he's named the starter because Alec Pierce mentioned it last night, point blank, you know, now he knows as a receiver who he needs to get that extra work with? Who he needs to stay after practice with? Who he needs to focus on? Doesn't mean he's not catching passes from Minshew and Allinger. Doesn't mean that he's ignoring them. But he now knows my focus needs to be on number five. And you know, I, I think that's that's hugely important, especially when like, football's a game of attrition. We know that it's going to happen during the regular season. Um, if it doesn't, then the Colts are blessed. But every team deals with it. And I guess from, like I said, I guess from the one angle, Richardson's already got a good, strong taste of that. Um, but I do think there's a concern there of, hey, what is his timing like with the tight ends? What is his feel behind this offensive line that, that got, and we'll get into that later, uh, that got a number of penalties downfield on Thursday night? You know, these that chemistry, it can literally be the difference between a win and a loss in a
0: regular season. And that's why I think it's important to kind of like, I feel like today, George, a lot of this pod is going to be tempering expectations for week one, especially because now, like you said, that's been basically the motto of our entire podcast this off season for the most part, but especially now when you start to, when you really see week number one creeping up early and you're starting to see what the offense is looking like, this offense, I think is going to be rough to start, especially because, I mean, you look at, like I said, the, every position, right. Is banged up at some point and, Really, maybe outside of receiver, like the big top three or top four, you've had a lot of backups rotating in. And you look at the tight end group, especially I mean, with the size and the talent on paper that they have, you're going to figure that that's going to be a heavily used and important position group for Anthony Richland and the Colts this year. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, George. I saw this for Thursday night for 11 on 11 team periods. They started out with three tight ends, right? Wasn't it three tight ends, one receiver, one tight end? Uh, Or three receivers, one running back? They're in the red Three tight ends, sorry. Three tight ends, one receiver, one running back in the red zone. So I don't think that's like one of those, oh, let's just see what happens. Like That, I think, is going to be an absolute game plan for Shane Seiken this year. Is You see how deep the tight end room is with talent. Put two or three guys on the field at the same time. The only issue is, outside of Kylan Granson, no one that you want to see significant time on the field with has been able to get on the field with Anthony Richardson. So he's basically kind of going in blind for the most part. I know there's still time left in practice so you can get hopefully Woods and Cox back and Ogletree on the field. But you are going to go into week number one with basically Richardson working for the most part blind with one of the more utilized and important skill position groups on this team. And so that's why I think it's like, you just got to, fans have to remember that. You have to remember that Going into week number one of this is by far anything but a finished product. Obviously, if a rookie quarterback here that's gonna make a lot of mistakes up and down, but even though now he is getting a lot of the first team reps, he's getting a lot of the first team reps, but like you mentioned, arguably maybe five guys, depending on the formation, um, that you don't want him on the field with come the regular season time. And so it is beneficial to just again get him reps in general, but you also like to see, and it's not been the case him getting reps with a lot of the guys he'll actually be lining up with come the regular season, and that has not happened for the most part.
1: And Especially in the red zone. I mean, I think that's – the guys that he's missing are all critical red zone guys. Jonathan Taylor is going to be, if he's here, a major part of the red zone. Yes. The offensive line is a major part of the red zone. The tight ends are going to be a major part of the red zone. So that's the area he struggled in the most. It's probably the area he needs the most work in. Uh, most rookies do. I mean, it's it's a tough spot. Obviously, windows are tighter. are the field's condensed, you know, he's getting better and better, even through the situation. And, um, you know, he, he was last night, he was far better than the first time I saw him take red zone reps in the spring. But it's key, key personnel guys are not there. And yeah, I mean, it, that's it's never ideal. You never want to deal with that, whether it's a regular season or it's training camp. You never want to be working without your, your best guys.
0: And I think that brings another reality to the forefront, George, in that red zone is going to be a struggle, especially early on. Because like you said, the windows get tighter. Now we've seen two, especially in the one preseason game uh, up in Buffalo, Colts were able to like move the ball between the 20s. And to Richardson's credit, made two nice plays, one outside the red zone to throw to Pierce down the one. Obviously, we know he had the big run as well, down to the one that was called back because of a holding call. But red zone is going to be a struggle. And that's going to be, I think, an area where I think you'll see Richardson and the offense have success, maybe from 20 to 20. But I think if we talk about predicting maybe one of the struggles for this offense overall in his rookie year, especially, it feels like, an I would predict right now from what we've seen from training camp, George, it feels like a lot of drives will stall at the 25-yard line, 20-yard line, 15-yard line. And Matt Gay is going to be earning a lot of that record free agent kicker contract.
1: And a lot of it has to do with penalties. I mean, last night you look at Richardson's numbers—two for six, which are not great. Uh, no one's gonna, you know, do jumping jacks over that. Uh, but there were three completions that were called back because of ineligible receivers downfield, um, and two of those were touchdown passes—one to Josh Downs and one to Michael Pittman. On was probably the best play that that Richardson made in, in the whole night. Um, but it's concerning not because they're having a training camp practice, but because we saw it in Buffalo and we saw it all last year. Um, and it's something that just needs, it needs to go away. I mean, we talked about it on the last pot. You've got a rookie quarterback back there. The other 10 guys need to be doing their job, to the best of their abilities, because you know, he's going to have his moments. Uh, and when you take his best moments away, as they did last night, this is not going to end well for the team. You know, when, when you're wiping out touchdowns as they did last night, That's how how a lot of those drives are going to end. You know, it's 15 in in the 20 and 25. Um, He did have a nice 15-yard touchdown run that looked legit. I mean, it's hard out there to tell for sure, but it didn't look like anybody really was near him. So I'm pretty sure he would have scored on that. If The only guy that really had a shot at him was one of the defensive backs late, and you'd like to think with his size and his speed he's going to win that battle down at the goal line. so I think
0: Buffalo DBs would tell you that, right? I think Buffalo DBs would agree <laughs> with that.
1: Um, and I'll tell you, the, the defensive back that was near him, he was not making a great effort to to get any closer to him than he had to. Uh, so, you know, it, that, that factor is going to change things. But it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, if they get Jonathan Taylor back, it's going to really beef up that red zone, which it clearly will. I mean, that's one of the things Taylor does best is, is find the end zone. But it doesn't matter. They can hold on that as well. So, like, if you don't clean up the penalties, it really doesn't matter who's back there.
0: And again, too, if that's your best weapon, like, I uh, mean, no, he is obviously John Taylor, but if that's what you're relying on, Of okay, we get to the red zone, let's run it with JT. If you can't block, and like I said, defense is going to key on that. You're still getting Richardson to be able to throw the ball um, and to have success and score touchdowns. And again, that's, we saw that area kind of, Pop up, especially last year. Colts so many times either turn the ball over or settle for three instead of seven, and that's definitely gonna be an area of emphasis this year. But like I said, so far the rookie quarterback with the way they're playing so far, physically like gonna be a lot of stalled drives um for this offense. And the illegal man downfield, George. I think I'm glad you brought that up because specifically it happened right last night. We didn't really see in the Buffalo um preseason game, and you haven't. I know it's tough. Because the training camps, for the referees, are they actually watching that? If the Colts are scrimmaging each other, eleven on eleven, maybe not as closely as they should. That though, George feels like a penalty that the Colts are going to have to focus on a ton this year, specifically for them. I thought you had a really nice article with Ryan Kelly kind of writing it up after last night's practice. If you haven't read it, check it out. Um, where he kind of talked about it, it's like a challenge. Like you look at who the Colts have played with. You go back to Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz all similar styled quarterbacks, the Colts have not seen a mobile dual threat in Anthony Richardson in at least 30 years. And so, especially for anyone alive on this offensive line. So, you are now changing your entire play style, if you will, because now, heard Ryan Kelly kind of talk about it uh, on Thursday night, like, there are RPO plays where, you know, if he's keeping the ball, and it's a run play, if he's throwing the ball, and you got to kind of, you can't go past the line scrimmage, you got to stay in your run set, it's going to take a lot of discipline from this offense line this year, especially to hold their water, if you will, and kind of get a feel and a read on what Anthony Richardson is going to do based on what the defense is, is lined up in. And it's going to be, I think, uh, obviously a big work in progress where I think we'll see that penalty specifically pretty often and pretty often maybe the first half of the season as you're still trying to get acclimated to his brand new playing style.
1: And again, it's one of those things that's highlighted in the red zone. That's what they were working on last night. And you've got those RPOs down there because you're trying to to get the defense to have some conflict. Are you running the ball here? Are you throwing it? Is he going to keep it? Is he going to give it to the back? You know, those things are great down there to help fight those tight windows. Um, But if the line gets a little bit too too far down the field during that process, yeah, you're going to end up with, with the flag. And I do think, Last night, I think the officials were looking for it specifically because you know that the Colts have that style. and it's going to carry over to the regular season. If if you're officiating a game with Baltimore or Philly or Indy, you're probably going in looking for an eligible receiver downfield more than you are with, say, Cincinnati or the Jets or somebody with a, a drop-back passer in a more traditional style. Uh, and it's something the Colts are going to have to be aware of because I guarantee you – other head coaches and defense coordinators are going to be reminding
0: the league all week, the week leading up to the Colts, to, to keep an eye on that. I mean, it was called three times on Thursday night. That, if that doesn't tell you the referees are looking for it, uh, nothing will. You know, like that, that has to scream. And again, it's good that it's happening now when games don't count and you can learn from it. And that's what, again, that's what 2023 is all about. So, again, I know Richardson's is starting out full-time, but the biggest thing for this year I think is just – realizing what you're going into. I think like that's what this pod is going to try to realize is, Hey, we're excited. Richardson's the starter. It's definitely going to bring more juice than if it was Gardner Minshew, but it's also, there's going to, this is what we're seeing in training camp, George. I don't think is just like a one-off. And like, I think we're going to see a lot of this carry over. The injuries are a part of that. The penalties are a part of that. The sloppiness overall is a part of that. We saw the offensive line. Again, I know without two starters uh, again on Thursday, but you, um, Another night where they struggled to run the football. Now, I believe, again, from what I saw, pass protection was better. Right, They allowed three sacks on Wednesday. I don't believe there was a recorded, quote-unquote, sack on Thursday. So that aspect is improving a little bit. But this is all a true work in progress this season, which is why, especially for week one in the first month of the season, be prepared for some ugliness, for some frustration, for some low out uh, offensive outputs here. And I think a lot of self-inflicted wounds, George, is the best way to maybe kind of brace yourself, especially early on, for what this offense is going to look like.
1: Yeah, a fairly young team, still definitely a, a very young quarterback. You've got a first-year head coach. You know, those are things that that probably are pretty common across the league when, when you're in this kind of situation, and you're going to see them. Um, they're going to try. The question is, how quickly can they clean them up? Um, and I think that's one thing we were looking at You know, when we were talking about the Bears' practices. Hey, can they can they be cleaner than they were in Buffalo? Not so far. You know, but now you get a chance on Saturday to go out there and, and clean it up then and I think that's that's the great thing about the NFL, right? No matter what happened, good or bad, there's always tomorrow. there's always the chance to to fix it, you know, or to prove it, you know to to double down on it. So um I, I think it's going to be a season long struggle. I really do. I think it's going to be something that, that they need to be hyper vigilant on, uh, particularly the ineligible receiver stuff because it's going to it's going to be watched. It's going to be a big part of this game in high leverage situations, too. I mean, because you figure, when yeah. are they running an RPO? Probably on third down, probably in the red zone, probably when they really need a play. Uh, and that's when you're going to see most of these ineligible receiver flags fly. So you've got to be extra focused on it, because you're talking about situations that at the end of the day, you go back and – the five or six plays that determine the game. They're probably the plays you're running RPOs on.
0: And to even extrapolate off that too, to your point, like even on first down, like you run an RPO on first down and it's illegal. You know, if they throw it, it's legal man downfield or they're holding call. Like we saw it in Buffalo. It's going to be the reality. The Colts offensively, especially the rookie quarterback are not built to overcome mistakes. They're not built to overcome self-inflicted wounds. Patrick Holmes and the chiefs are absolutely built for that. The Colts are not. So you saw it in Buffalo. Uh, dropped Alex Pierce, uh, Alec Pierce touchdown pass So the Colts' credit and Richardson's credit. They were able to move the ball down the field, but then a holding call on Farrell Brown, drive stalls, missed field goal, no points. You see, um, even like last night, we saw penalties uh, in the red zone, call a few touchdowns back, can't score. Like even you have a holding call, illegal man downfield, and all of a sudden now it's first and 15 compared to second and seven. The Colts are not built to overcome that. Maybe once in a while they can but consistently, absolutely not. It just kind of hammers home the point of they are nowhere good enough to continue to have self-inflicted wounds and think, oh, we'll just make up for it in the next play. They they are nowhere near consistent enough, and they are a team that really has to focus on not beating themselves first before they can actually start worrying about winning games and putting offensive drives together. That's something I think will definitely kind of, again, hammer home, and hopefully it will be cleaned up going forward. But that's another reason why, when you look at the penalties, When you look at even just like not making a play, George, you could argue, oh, it's training camp. This is the time to, you know, learn it and, and, you know, get out of your system. When you're kind of seeing it repeated over and over again and and being a theme of training camp, unless a miracle happens, it does not seem like this is all of a sudden going to go away week number one. And I don't see how you're winning many games if you are continuing to hurt yourself and not be able to overcome it. Again, just goes back to trying to remember what we're going into this year. That's all. You can be excited. I'm excited. You're excited. Just remember what you're going into, and don't expect to drop a, a put up a 35 spot against Jacksonville week number one. You know,
1: no, and uh, you know, I think on the plus side, Richardson only threw one pick during all these practices. Uh, we talked about it yesterday, and and you know how it came about. Um, on the negative side, there were no touchdowns. There were two, but they were called back, so they're not going to count in the game, right? Um, that that finishing off drives. I, I think that's. I, it's the difference across the league. I mean, the good teams finish drives and the bad teams don't. I mean, it's, it's simple, but it's true. You know, it, good teams are take those opportunities, those drives that get deep into the red zone, they finish them in the end zone, bad teams get in their own way and, you know, end up kicking field goals or missing field goals and or turning the ball over and, and leaving points on, on, on the field. And I think that, the league's just too tight to get away with that. You know, there, there are no Eastern Michigans. There's no, you know, Northwest Louisiana states. You, you don't you don't have that kind of warm-up game. In, there's in, no
0: ball states. Oh,
1: oh, there's, geez. There, there's no ball states, which is good for NFL teams. They oh,
0: I had to team. do that. I'm sorry, George. They, they
1: <laughs> definitely, I mean, fortunately for the NFL, they have to deal with ball states, but, you know. <laughs> It that, but that's the thing. I mean, any day, like college teams can get away with some stuff, you know, and even in the SEC non conference, you can get away with a few things. Mm-hmm. But once you get to this level, everything you're punished for every mistake you make. And if you're not, you bless the football gods and you take advantage of the fact that you weren't. And, and I think coaches aren't in a position to do that right now.
0: I mean, go back to last year, George. How many, like, in the first seven weeks of the season, when this, when 2022 season was basically lost and um, right there. I mean, outside of the Jacksonville game week number two, where they just were thoroughly dominated. Like every game they, they won or lost came down to basically two or three plays at the most. So the, in the chiefs game, they made them for the most part, every other game, the Jags game at home, they made them. For the most part, everything else they did not. It's like they were blown out of the water. I mean, they should have beat the Texans week number one, but again, two, three minuscule plays, mostly self-inflicted and, Totally change that game around and who knows where the season goes from there. But you see it, you saw it last year early on. And like I said, you're gonna see it again this year. The margins are thin. Even for the Colts who are not going to be a good team, and even for the Chiefs or the Bengals who are gonna be a really damn good team. And for how bad the Colts were last year, George, I know this is how it, it's not how it works. You take the aggregate for the Chiefs and Eagles game, the Colts outscored both of those teams. If you combine the scores, they outscored the Eagles and the Chiefs, the two teams that were in the Super Bowl. That shows you right there for the Colts, one of the worst teams in the NFL. They, on the aggregate, beat, if you will, the Chiefs and the Eagles. I'm not saying that to make anyone feel better. I'm saying that the reality is even when you're a bad team, the NFL is still razor thin and still has a lot of these games go down to the wire, which is why we love it. But also shows you how you can truly turn a season around really quickly or go in the tank really fast because if you don't make those plays, you're losing a lot of games. You make them. Like you're like the Vikings and win was 11, one score games last year, 13 and four, when no one saw that coming. So it truly is a game of inches. Um, Not to use a cliche, but it's like, that's what I think you'll see this year. And that's why if you're the Colts, it's concerning, at least if you care about the wins in 2023, because right now they are not making those plays and not putting themselves in a position, George, to make those plays where those games that come down to one, two, three plays, they're not making
1: them. I look at the AFC championship game last year. I mean, that game is determined by an avoidable penalty. I mean, you talk about the things that happen: a quarterback's hit, well out of bounds, the flag's thrown, and the Chiefs win. And if that doesn't happen, the game's going to overtime. We have no idea. Maybe the Bengals are, are Super Bowl champions right now, you know? It or maybe the Eagles are, you know? But it, it it's one play that that's the difference in this league, and that's a Cincinnati team that is extremely good, that's in contention, you know, to to hoist these Lombardi trophies, that still their season ends on an avoidable penalty. That's the NFL. And I think that's to the extent that that Bill Belichick deserves the the genius tag or Bill Walsh or anybody that came before them. I think that's what they
0: understand. Don't beat yourself. That's what makes you a genius in in football. And you go back to the Super Bowl two years ago, like that fourth down play for the Bengals, Jamar Chase is wide open. The only issue is Aaron Donald hits Joe Burrow like a half second too early. Um, Otherwise, like, I mean, we risk re- realistically could we talk about the Bengals winning back to back Super Bowls if the offensive line blocked for a that's half right. second longer? And like I said, then all of a sudden, if uh you don't have that penalty out of bounds, it's like that's truly a half second on offense in one Super Bowl, one knucklehead penalty uh in the AFC title game, and we could be talking about the Bengals maybe right now is the dynasty, the team in the NFL. And that's a difference between, like I said, it's that it's truly that Razor thing. And for the Colts, it's really about scrapping and getting that one inch. And right now in training camp, it's not been the case, but that's really what the entire 2023 season is going to be about. It's learning not how to beat yourself and learning how can we win that one inch or one play to get it to to go our way. Hopefully, those are the two things that at the end of the season, George, we're talking about because that's when we always talk about, hey, the season is only about how do we feel about Anthony Richardson. And obviously, his development is key, but his development is also based on not hurting yourself I and mean, when you need to make a winning play make a winning play so that's why those two areas are so huge and why it's it's understandable with an offense that's banged up and inexperienced so far in training camp to make a lot of these mistakes but it's also frustrating because you see like if you just don't hurt yourself how much easier your life is going to be how much um,
1: different is our conversation today if he threw two touchdown passes last night, so, you know, five and nine's not great, but it's a red zone. He did, you know what you want to see him do. And he threw a couple touchdowns. It's a whole different conversation right now.
0: And if Farrell Brown doesn't have the holes, forget about the Alec Pierce catch, tough catch should have made it a tough catch. Just even the Farrell Brown hold does not occur. And Richardson's down at like the three yard line, you score a touchdown. We're talking about, wait, right, we're talking about this differently and having a little bit more positivity. Um. Yeah. Today, compared to what we are, because like I said, two or three plays are now the difference between arguably 21 points on the board in scrimmages and a preseason game versus zero. That's truly like, that's the difference we're talking about here. A swing of 21 points based on three plays and three plays where the Colts killed themselves. No one else. Not a great defensive play, not a boneheaded miscue, not, you know, a drop pass. It's literally running as an offensive lineman two yards down the field than you're supposed to, and if you're Farrell Brown holding on or, or putting your hands outside of the blocking area you're supposed to for an extra second or two. Very, very minuscule, but that's truly the difference between winning and losing. I hope, again, fans can at least hear this and recognize, okay, you know what? They're not making the winning plays. But even if that's the case, you hope that they're not that far away when week 18 does come to a conclusion. We will preview um, really quickly here the, the Bears. Second preseason game, but I do want to ask you one quick question here, George, when it comes to health or two quick questions off of health, to kind of wrap up maybe let's say overall training camp thoughts. Shaq Leonard not on the field, which is, you know what? When you look at it this way, I think it's a positive. Shaq Leonard missed his first practice of of training camp on Thursday night. He's been there for the first 12. 13 was was not, he was on the sideline, right? He wasn't MIA. Um, do you have any concern? Like, do you look at it more of a positive that for a guy that's a question mark coming in, he made it through 12 physical grueling practices and missed the 13th? Or is there a little bit of a concern in your eye that he was not there against the bears? Maybe that puts in doubt his ability to play on Saturday against the bears in the preseason game. Like, like is your concern level optimistic, not too worried, or maybe is there a reason to have a red flag up?
1: I'm generally optimistic um, because of what you said, 12 practices that, that he's out there and he was gaining every step of the way. Um, there's a little bit of red flag because I I think the people who were on the defensive field were saying that he was kind of in and out on Wednesday and maybe was getting some treatment, but I, I think this was never going to be one of those straight line, you know, diagonal all the way up kind of things. It was always going to have some dips and valleys in it. So if this is just a a quick little dip and you need to give him a rest on last night and maybe even on Saturday, And he's able to go against Philadelphia or he even needs to miss the one practice they have next week and that preseason game. But he's ready to go on the next Monday and gets two solid weeks before Jacksonville. I'm not concerned. But, you know, obviously, if this is a re-aggravation of what he went through last year, that would be a massive concern. Um, So we'll see. You know, we'll see where that falls. I think right now I'm I'm generally optimistic. I, I think he looked like a lot closer to himself. For most of this training camp, he's been in good spirits. Even yesterday when he was out there, he was happy. He was smiling. He was messing around with DeForest Buckner. I'm not sure he'd be doing that if he felt like he had a major setback. So, you know, you just try to read body language, which is dangerous. I mean, there's no question about it. But it, it keeps me more on the optimistic side of things.
0: I was just going to ask, like, was there any sort of visible like, limp, wrap, cast like when you saw him you said the spirits are high which like i would agree with like that's a good thing if he re-aggravated injury i'm going to assume he's not going to be bouncing around and happy was any sort of physical ailment and or wrap you could see that you know could maybe lead to what actually happened
1: there's no boot, there was no you know no bandage nothing that you could see um outwardly that 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 was a big red flag but that being said same was true of Ashton Doolin when he left. The only real red flag there was it was so early in practice and he's going back with a trainer. That's never a good sign, but it's not like they put him on the car. It's not like, you know, his teammates had to help him off field. Ironically, the, the worst injury last night, it looked like was, was Samson Ebicom. He went down and he was grabbing his ankle immediately slammed his helmet in frustration. You're like, Oh boy, He was back in like five plays later. So you never know. I mean, that's, It's one of those things where I'm sure he thought it was worse in the moment. And, you know, thankfully for him, it wasn't, but players a lot of times are the the very worst sources on their own injuries.
0: That's that is fair. And that is kind of the, um, the dichotomy there is very funny. Ash doing walking off calmly out for the year. Ebukon making a scene and you think, Oh boy, here we go. That's a key pass rusher lost. There he is. Boom, wrapped up. Let's go five plays later. Not missing a thing. Um, so hopefully, like I said, with the way it sounds, the way you looked at Shaq, I'm with you in the terms of the optimistic view. I'm not panicking. Again, I would take it as a positive of he was out there for 12 of the 13 practices. And the 12 practices he was out there, George, like he was out there, out there. Not like, oh, one rep and then miss a ton. He was getting a lot of reps. He was cleared for contact. He played in Buffalo last week, so he's cleared to play and go all out. Maybe it's just again a little extra precaution. Especially with him when you still have three weeks to go before uh before week number one. Maybe you just say, you know what, not worth it. We still just take it easy on him, uh, which no problem with absolutely. Uh, so I'm with him, not too concerned. No Shane's second availability on Thursday. So not, I mean, not that he's gonna give any details anyway, George, but no ability for him to explain if there's was just a veteran's day off or there was just a you know, they're being cautious. We'll see if he plays on a, on Saturday against the Bears. But also with Ashton Doolin's injury now, and unfortunately him being out for the entire year ACL-wise, obviously a big blow to special teams. But obviously now that opens up possibly a receiver spot, George, where you have Michael Pittman Jr., you have Alec Pierce, you have uh, Isaiah McKenzie, and you have Josh Downs, right? I w- Would you agree four locks no matter what? Yeah, there was
1: five, but the fifth one's gone.
0: Fifth one is now gone. You think bare minimum the Colts are going to take five receivers on the roster, maybe now with a crowded tight end room, you don't take six like they did last year. Does anyone have an edge right now? Like, is this an uh, um, uh, open roster spot where you think right now, it's still time to go, but hey, this is good news for Mike Strawn, let's say, or Amari Rogers, or Vincent Smith, Is there and Brashad Perryman. Is there any receiver you think right now has that edge, has the inside lane to get that fifth wide receiver spot?
1: I think it's still really, really open. So I think Saturday is is a really good moment for these guys. Uh, next Thursday against Philly is going to be a really good moment for these guys. Next Tuesday against Philly. Yeah. It's going to be a really big moment for these guys. Um, unfortunately, in Vincent Smith's case, he's still hurt. Um, he has shown some really good deep ball ability with, with Richardson, which I think would definitely put him in in this conversation. Um, Perriman was hurt and just came back yesterday. Um, so he's also probably got some, some ground to make up. Strawn is, Flashing again, as we've seen him do out here with those 50-50 balls. But he left practice yesterday as well uh, early. We're not sure because, again, we didn't get Shane afterwards, so we're not 100% sure what happened there. But um, he he left early as well. Uh, so I think that leaves the Mario Rodgers, who has done some good things. I mean, I, I know the one-on-one rep on, on Wednesday went viral, where basically uh, somehow Richardson gave him like a 35-yard handoff into the end zone there. I mean, that was perfectly placed ball. Uh, Rogers had a couple of those, you know, he's, he's shown his speed, had a couple of nice catches. He had the only touchdown yesterday that wasn't called off the board uh, from, from Gardner Minshew. So, you know, not a veteran per se in the way Broussard Perriman is, but a guy who's been around the league, you know, played a lot of football. Uh, it hasn't gone the way that he had hoped. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe he's one of those guys that's unlocking things now here in Indy. And um, I if if I was Chris Ballard or Shane Sykin and, and I'm in that room and and doing the cut down to 53, uh, I guess a week from Tuesday, right now, I would I would pick Amari Rodgers.
0: The tough part with Rogers for me is the fact that you look at this Colts uh receiver room and how they're built physically, right? Pittman, Pierce, outside guys, Downs McKenzie, inside guys. Amara Rogers fits that slot mold. And so my concern is like and Doolin was going to be basically the replacement for Pierce and or Pittman. Now you really, if you go Rodgers and, and let's say you're right, there's really no backup. Like the backup is going to be like true Oak basically <laughs> Jelani Woods is because there's no real outside guy. You could slide in there and have the size to either go for a jump ball or just like have the size to be on the outside. That's My only concern with putting Amari Rodgers as a fifth receiver, and if you're only going to take five, is you have then you're kind of tripling down on this smaller slot guy that's crowded versus right now it's Pittman, Pierce, and then depth wise on the outside, nobody else.
1: And that's why I think this may be a waiver claim, to be honest. Um, you know, we'll see what happens around the rest of the league, but uh, if, if there's a guy who's got a little more size, who Chris Bauer maybe liked in the draft or had dealt with elsewhere, you know, somebody from Kansas city, somebody from Philly that, that Shane Steichen really likes. Um, yeah. I think this is an area where you could see a depth claim because of what you're saying that definitely gets taken. in. I think the two things that we don't talk about enough that when they sit down to make this decision, that the, that, that play major roles, that situation you just talked about, okay, what do we have and what do we need? You know, Rogers may be the best guy left on this roster, but is he the best fit? For the 53 that we need to put together. And then two special teams. How's how's this all going to work into special teams? And obviously, with Dolan being the guy who's out in particular, that's a major factor here. I mean, you're talking about an all-pro special teamer. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily that this guy's going to fill that role. They can do that with a linebacker or a safety or a corner or you know, however they see fit. But you you're probably still going to need him to fill a role on special teams because the guy that's filling Ashton's role. Probably is coming from another area, so you're gonna need to to plug that in. I don't think we talk about that enough, you know, because it's from the outside. Uh, you're just looking at like I just did, okay? Who's who's the best? These guys are hurt. Rogers make the most play. That's not all that goes into this equation.
0: No, you're right, and that's why, like, yeah, I I don't know if Prashad Perriman would want to play special teams, but I think if you are him, you go right in Shane Ste- uh, Steichen's offense, right in Chris Ballard's office, and say, look, Saturday. Night, Put me on special teams, kickoff, punt, I'll be ready to go. And that's can help kind of solidify his position going forward and anyone's.
1: Darius Hayward Bay revived his career that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was he got to the point where he got enough chances and, and he just wasn't going to make it a wide receiver. And it was here in Indy. They moved him to Gunner. And he ends up going to Pittsburgh and playing, what, four or five more years and playing well as a Gunner. So, hey, you know, it, it's not the most glamorous thing. It's not going to make you worthy of your first-round selection in his case. But it – it gave him an NFL career,
0: extended his pension.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, you know,
0: got you some more money. Darius Hayward Bay, what a pull by you! Yeah, oh, my God, seventh overall, speedster, nothing else. It's a shame. Great speed, no hands. We became, the best combo.
1: He became a pretty good gunner. I mean, that's He did seventh overall pick, no, but <laughs> but impairment's in, in case like that. That could be a way to extend your career. I mean, at the end of the day you get another four or five years on the end of the career. I think most guys are going to sign up for that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's wrap up the pod with this, George. Saturday night, Colts-Bears in Lucasala Stadium. Uh, the only preseason game here. Shane Saki did not talk on Thursday, which means we can now speculate and say, what should we do if we were the head coach based on Anthony Richardson's playing time? If he should play, will he play at all? We do not know. Um, we do know the fact that Matt Eberflus on Thursday said Justin Fields is not playing uh, on Saturday night, which would indicate probably a lot of the Bears starters on offense and defense, will not be playing for Chicago. You are, George, Shane Steichen. What are you doing with Anthony Richardson? Are you playing, uh, playing him on Saturday? How much? If so.
1: I, I think I would play him a series.
0: I mean, I, I just think I would get him out there, get his feet wet,
1: let him come through the tunnel, get announced that uh, Lucas Oil, let him go through all that before the Jacksonville game on September 10th. Uh, and then I, I wouldn't leave him out there long. You know, but I would give him a series no matter what happens. It's three and out. Okay, good job. You're, you're done. If you score a touchdown, definitely good job. You're done. Uh, but I I just think he needs those extra reps. I can see the argument of, well, if the Bears have the twos out there, what's he really getting? You know, especially if he's got a banged up offensive line as well, Like, is the risk more than a reward. But I just think one series is not that, that grave of a circumstance to put him in. And, again, we talked about it. You may have to do it in the regular season anyway. Now, granted, that's why I'd only do it for a series. You don't want to put him at risk in in a preseason game. It's unnecessary. But I do think, if nothing else, just for him to go out at Lucas Oil Stadium and take a snap without a red jersey, uh, you know, he's never done it before. So do you really want him to do that for the first time against the Jaguars? And I think normally you kind of match up with the other teams doing. If they're not playing your starters, you don't play your starters, you know. But I think that matters if you're starting quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes or or Josh Allen, I don't think the bears are going to look at the the Colts playing Anthony Richardson for a series and say, Hey, that's unfair. They, you know, they were trying to show us up. They, I think they would understand what you're doing out there.
0: I would play him too. I'm with you. Like I said, even just bare minimum, get him just a few extra reps and get this team again, more acclimated. We talked about George, almost the entire podcast of a lot of recurring issues and a lot of recurring mistakes. Even if it's one drive, it just still gives you three, hopefully, you know, a longer drive, seven, eight, 10 plays to just get some sort of familiarity more with your quarterback, especially when you're going on a short week where it's, you know, you have the game on Saturday, you're going to Philly, you got the joint practice in Philly on Tuesday, you have the game on Thursday. I'm going to assume none, bare minimum, one drive of starters playing on next Thursday in Philly. I would not anticipate anyone playing in that game um, so it's like you think about it, this is their last opportunity to maybe have you know the closest thing to a, a game like atmosphere until September 10th. And like you said, George, so you saw how Anthony Richardson uh, in Buffalo last week walked on the stadium and said he was it a half hour, right? He said he he never kind of does that before. Walks on the field, kind of soaks it all in. So even him just trying to figure out his pregame routine. I'm with you just to be able to, to put them in the mindset of, Hey, I'm playing a game. So you kind of go through a pregame routine that you could try to mimic for opening day. I'd rather have him go through that on Saturday and maybe tweak some things. Oh, I got here too early. I got here a little too late. This is how you drive to the stadium. Like it sounds stupid, but in reality, like you have to practice it. Like they, he's never been in Lucas Oil stadium with a Jersey on before. Like, yeah, like in, in a, common. in a, right. So it's like, to just him he was to go a superstar,
1: it. by the way. I just happened to be on the field for his. I mean, we were talking about it. I just happened to be on the field for his uh thing. And he got a warm welcome then. So at least he, he's been cheered by Colts fans in Lucas Oil Stadium before.
0: But now the tights, well, I guess the tights will be on underneath. But now for the first time with a helmet and shoulder pads on, allow him to go through, like I said, go through the introduction, just kind of have it be bare minimum, a test run, a dry run to see this is what it's like to now play a home game, especially when this is going to be your first taste of real NFL action on September 10th. Bare minimum, if nothing else, let him get his routine down. And so I'm with you. Very short. Sorry, but take away the unknowns,
1: right? I mean, any any new situation. I'm sure the first time you walked into the the radio station, there's a little bit, okay, what's this going to be like? Not fear, but just anxiety, like, you know. What's this gonna be like? Where? What's the board look like? What do I have to do? What? What's my routine gonna be? Day two. Okay, I know it now. It's. Do you want him to go through that against Jacksonville, or do you want him to do it on Saturday and, and then okay, Jacksonville's. I know this. I, I've got this now.
0: And even to like, as stupid as it sounds, George, like pregame intros, like that's mm-hmm. five minutes. But all of a sudden now, instead of maybe warming up or being at your locker and kind of maybe going through last minute preparations, you're in the tunnel like, okay, here comes the offense. You're standing there waiting for you're going to be the last one called. Run out there like it is something that he's never done before. Right. Florida at Florida, everyone runs out together. So it's like just like you said, find out even what doesn't work with your routine. Hey, I left my house for a seven o'clock game at two thirty. I got there maybe 10 minutes later than I wanted to. I'm gonna leave a 220, you know, for the game. They're like just as stupid as that sounds, and like you said, you to take away any sort of unknown or take away any sort of hindrance to getting him fully ready. So as soon as the ball is kicked off on September 10th, he has no doubts of, hey, at least I know I'm ready to go. Um, and then from there you figure out what works, what doesn't work. But like I said, just to eliminate all of the possible factors that could contribute to having a bad debut George I would get out of the way on um on Saturday
1: and well, even one drive I'm, does that where are you going to stand during the national anthem and who are you going to stand next to I mean these are all just little things that you don't need to be worried about on September 10th that you've done before and you, you've gone through I mean it's there's so many little game ta- game day details just get them all taken care of on on Saturday
0: don't be like other quarterbacks and get stuck underneath the full field flag. Right. And all of a sudden, where am I going? What's going on?
1: Be ready for that full field flag. Exactly.
0: You know, be, And be you know, get off the field. Cause they are running and they are not stopping for you. No, no they are not. Just like uh, a baseball grounds crew. If you trip up there, that tarp's going over the field. No matter if you are down or running, get off the field, not matter.
1: Get out of the way because you are, yeah, you're done for at that point. But I mean, I just, I can only imagine, you know, pregame warmups. How, what time do you want to go out there for it? What exact routine are you going to do before the actual team gets together? And does, you know, everybody does it differently. Get it all out
0: of the way now. And that way against Jacksonville it feels a little familiar. I mean, fans, for the most part, not asking for your autograph in Buffalo, right? As as the away team player, but at home, I mean, we saw him after the first joint practice against the Bears. He's out there for what, 20 minutes signing autographs. He seems like someone who wants to give the fans every ounce of him at home, George, like you're going to be having fans begging you for autographs for the game. If you want to do it for five minutes, that means five minutes, or you got to be out there again. It's just all, like I said, getting a lot of the unknowns possible out of the way now in a game that does not matter. So even if he's not truly prepared, Oh wow. I'm late or I feel like I'm not fully warmed up. You get that out of the way Saturday compared to out of the way Sunday, September 10th. And all of a sudden next, you know, the offense looks like crap in the first half and you're like, what is going on? That's like, that's why. So I'm with you. Uh, I hope Anthony Richardson plays at least bare minimum one drive on Saturday, just to bare minimum, have him in the mindset of I'm playing, I'm starting. How do I have my routine set to be the game day starter? Um, And hopefully that is the case. We do not know. So unless Shane Sykin goes rogue and actually gives us information um, willingly, which he is outside of naming Richardson the starter. I'll check his Twitter. (laughs) Get those notifications up. Oh, I mean, well, Chip Hershey, I would not be surprised if on Friday night tweets it out. So he could blow the cover off that. Um, otherwise, it seems like we'll be going into Saturday unknown uh, if AR will play or not. in the only home preseason game for the Colts this year. So that'll There's do it. A- There's one
1: definite known on, on AR, though, that go back to what you're saying. He's definitely fan friendly. I mean, if, if nothing else, I know he's definitely fan friendly. What he's done uh, even before training camp started with, with people seeing him downtown. Uh, I think he's a guy that fans are going to fall in love with real, real quick.
0: He gave away his cleats to a fan after practice. I just hope he's going to do that on Saturday. Do it after the game. <laughs> Don't give away <laughs> your cleats before the game. Or during. Uh, that's, yeah, well, That going be interesting.
1: Dwayne Haskins, who was taking a selfie and didn't and <laughs> come back on the field. So, I'm like, you, you never know what's going to happen.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, learn that, too. You're going to be fan-friendly after the game. Yeah, please do not be taking selfies. Uh, after you think they won and all of a sudden you're trying to take a knee and where's ar where's number five Gardner? get out there and all of a sudden next thing you know it's a scramble mode because anthony Richardson is in the stands signing autographs kissing babies shaking hands all learning experience george all a learning experience so you'll be back right in lucas stadium back like you never left
1: yep trying to forget the last time i was there but back again well not not the last time i was the last time i was there a.r was there but the last time i was there for a game we're not gonna talk about that
0: it was well it was a celebratory pod at least for me i thought the colt's getting right selling after that after that colossal loss uh we know that did not happen in fact but it was a that was a weird free see up uh uh, (laughs) i should say post game um podcast finale that was a weird one it was
1: a game that allowed Anthony Richardson to be debated about
0: starting this this game on Saturday. So, that is true. That is true. So we go back, feels like we never left that game. It was like yesterday with Davis Mills, heaving the ball down the field, just like that, George. We are back, baby. So we will be back. Speaking of which, on Sunday morning, wrap up preseason game number two. Get you set a little bit before Eagles join practice later in the week as training camp has come to a conclusion. So check us out Sunday. Uh, wherever you get your pods, Blue Horseshoe Podcast, and on YouTube, Blue Horseshoe Pod. Make sure you subscribe so you can see our beautiful faces each and every show. All right, we'll talk to you on Sunday morning, George, right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.